You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's the mailbag edition this week. We got a lot to cover. You guys asked some fantastic questions. We'll get to all those. Here to help me get to them. First, find them on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Maddie Lane. Hello, my friend. You are clean shaven. The mustache that you agreed to shave for 24 hours is now gone. It's weird to see you like this. Yeah, it's it's weird to live a life like this. Like I was saying the other day on our live Zoom, I was out mowing the lawn and I had to remember to slap some sunscreen on the cheeks and the chin because uh, it's not it hasn't seen sunlight like this in a while. So uh, thank you guys. Thank you, everybody listening that decided to help out and make us all resort to mustaches for 24 hours. We greatly appreciate you guys. We're glad you guys were able to join us live on Zoom. And you guys got to see Craig Stout's beautiful mustache that he is still rocking at this very moment. Tell him why you decided to keep it, Craig. I mean, honestly, I, I don't hate it. Let's go. We'll see how long it goes. I, I I don't love it either, but we'll we'll see how long it goes. 24 kicked out a little further. We'll, we'll wear it here. It helps that I don't have to be at work. Like I'm working from home, <laughs> so only my wife has to see me, which is, you know, I only get occasional, you know, goofy looks my way for it. But yeah, you look like the principal in every 80s teen movie and I, it's just phenomenal. I uh, I met three of my new neighbors for the first time with my mustache out over the weekend, wait, so wait. that is going very well. My wife is incredibly embarrassed for us and we are directly waiting the, you know, restraining order from half of the neighborhood <laughs> that we now live in. So there is like assuredly several people that are like very confused about what we're talking about anyway. And basically here's what happened. Uh, Craig decided to say on, I think, Friday, if we sold 30 KC draft guides, that he would shave a mustache. Well, then Jake said if we sell 50, he'd shave a handlebar. And then Maddie said, if he's just like, fine, I'll, I'll jump in. If we do 70, I'll shave a mustache too. We got to 70, like almost on the dot. I offered at 100, I was going to shave an arrowhead or try to shave an arrowhead into my chest hair. And leave it for like 24 hours. That didn't happen. But uh, we did a Zoom uh, yesterday or on Saturday uh, with it uh, with, with all these guys with their mustaches. It was glorious. The jokes were flying from people. Uh, it was a really good time. Craig's mustache looks fantastic. Like the man can pull off a mustache. And he looks more Renaissance man-ish than he ever has. See, I'm it's just, phenomenal. I, I'm just embracing my inner Andy Reid. I'm going to be home. I'm just going to eat and eat and eat. So I'm going to try and get to Andy Reid levels. I just started at the mustache. You got the red part. Now you just need the big. <laughs> yeah. We're, you're thin red right I'm now. Thin red. Uh, thin red. Listen, I like AKA that nickname AKA Barley Stunner. 
<laughs> aka Hollywood Hop, aka Thin Red. Uh, if you want, uh, just so you know, the the draft guide releases a week from today. Uh, and if you want to pre-order that, the discount codes are still available. Normally, you know, in April we stop promoting the discount codes. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Uh, maybe they stay open and we just don't advertise them as much. Gum.co slash KC Draft Guide 2020. Promo code COUNTDOWN gets it for $7.99. We're releasing the... Uh, we are releasing the cover this week. We're very excited. And we're a week away from the whole thing, a whole project coming live. Cannot wait. All right, let's time to answer your questions. Let's do this. We've got a five-star question off the bat. Arbana's Good Eye asks, based on your pre-draft projections, how many starters for the Chiefs, uh, the reigning Super Bowl champs, puts in quotation marks, love it, will be in their first year with the team? And of those, how many of those guys will be rookies? Great question. In-depth question. Thanks for your insight. Uh, thank, thank you, Arbanus. Craig, what you think? I'm I'm gonna go with two. I think that they're gonna replace one of their interior offensive linemen. They've been sniffing around. They sniffed around Andrus Pete. They've been sniffing around, you know, some interviews with some interior offensive linemen in the draft. So I do think that they're going to add an interior offensive lineman at some point in the draft and you know early enough to where he'll start and then they're going to add a will linebacker they lost reggie ragland i think they want to play damian wilson at the sam position so i do think that they're going to address it in the draft at some point and i think that guy will be a starter early 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 because we know spags likes intelligent linebacker i'm gonna go with three i'm gonna one-up craig here and i think it goes this way I, do, I agree. An interior offensive lineman. There is going to be somebody that is starting for the Chiefs on the interior offensive line in their first year. I think it'll be a rookie, but I wouldn't rule out Mike Rimmers as an option there if he wins that job. I think that he actually has a chance to act guard. I know they want him at swing tackle, but I wouldn't rule him out. I think there is going to be a will linebacker. They have no one on the roster, so there has to be a will linebacker, whether a rookie or a late veteran signing at linebacker to take that spot. And then I think there's going to be a surprise, whether it's at corner through a draft pick or a late free agency signing, maybe another position, maybe they draft a defensive end, maybe they sign somebody that's still out there. I think there's going to be a third surprise position that's, I'm not sure it'll be a rookie. So I don't even want to say rookie. I'm going to say one rookie, but three first time Chiefs that are starters. I, uh, I'm going to go on the Craig side. I'm going to say Will Linebacker an interior offensive line. And I don't think they're getting any starters at, a, at rookie off the bat. And it's going to take a little bit of time. Like that's just my gut. I'm especially with the whole process right now that we're dealing with the, the off season is really not going to be available for any rookies. And that's a tough one. AP nerd squad at gmail.com asks, all right. That's sorry. No AP nerd squad at gmail.com did not ask. That's the, that's the Gmail account. Maddie in Cincinnati asked, just sh- shut up, Craig. Uh, <laughs> we're going to get angry here. You guys are a three headed monster coaching a peewee football team called the little Z men or Casey rant and run who takes offense defense and special teams. And who's first to get ejected by a referee. Oh, so when we first got this question, we all kind of just talked about it. I think we talked about it a couple of days ago, actually. And we all learned to take special teams for various <laughs> different reasons to get off our jokes. So I'll get off my joke first. I was going to take special teams because I probably own the shortest pair of shorts out of all three of us. (laughs) And therefore I could carry on Dave Tobe's legacy. 
with all of the thigh glory, but I'll take defense. And as I'm taking defense, I'll also be the first to be ejected by a referee for throwing a fake towel at them like Travis Kelsey did when some nonsense happens. But yeah, I think I'll take defense. That way I want to make Craig squirm and see what else he would like to do. Uh, I Well, I'm definitely not taking offense. I, I'm going to leave that to the quarterback and the <laughs> defensive end slash defensive tackle can have defense. I am going to take special teams and I am starting this long joked about uh, text chain that we've talked about involving Bill Belichick, <laughs> Jim Harbaugh, and Dave Tobe, where they just sit around and talk about special teams, like geek out about special teams in a big way. I'm going to finally get in on that and just kind of see which long snappers and which punters they're just, you know, salivating over in free agency in the draft. Yeah, so you're going to be the first to find the real life backslash. Yes. All, all three of those guys are in a dark room at at West Point right now. They just all got access to West Point. They're in a dark room with old cutups of like 1970s special teams just looking at techniques. Fine, give me the offense. And uh, we're we're going to chuck it around. I don't care. I'm not running the football. I don't care if that's the only thing these guys can do. We're going to learn to we're going to learn to catch bubbles. It's going to be great. Maddie 100% is the guy that gets ejected. Like <laughs> yeah. 10 out of 10 times. Wait. Craig, have you guys Craig, heard can't rant? <laughs> that that's you know as long as cam irving's not refing the game like i think we're gonna be all right also craig if you're the special teams coordinator you have to keep the mustache like it's just fact uh, like that's well. that's how it works although if it's a peewee team you should probably shave it all right let's move on to the twitter <laughs> let's move on to the twitter questions now and russell 2018 he just asked how long until Derek carr blocks Mar- marcus Mariota on twitter well done that's fantastic. Wonderful. It's, it's probably already happened. Like there, You might have got blocked for tweeting that, honestly. You should probably go check to see if Derek Carr blocked you for tweeting his name in something relatively negative. Because the Carr family... You want to talk about rants? Here we go. The Carr family is oh. soft with a capital S-O-F-T. They are all just so insecure. It's ridiculous. It's embarrassing. Get over yourself. And, all right, Nate CH32 asks, uh, how is your process of evaluating a big board full of every position in a way that values positional value? His example is you may value C- Caesar Ruiz higher than Grant Delpit. Um, how do you objectively grade them considering safety is more valuable than, than center? It's a great question. Uh, and how we, we've kind of, we have a really elaborate process that we're always kind of tweaking and stuff. We have our, our film grades, our, 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 our player evaluations. Then we created, we actually, we had to kind of work back and forth and discuss and value each position and gave them a certain weight. And then we apply those weights to each position um, and then sort by that to kind of give us our, our value board. So basically, you know, maybe we hold, you know, we hold center like at a, like it's a multiplier basically. So it's like if we hold center at, you know, a 0.955 and we hold quarterback at 10, when we run through those, that, that multiplication by each position. And then we sort kind of like our, our board and stack our board that kind of values it based on position. And so that's kind of how we go about it. And it's just kind of, I mean, it's, it's all, it's all, 
it's all part of your preferences and evaluations, frankly. I mean, it's, it's how you value things a little bit differently. Like we've had to have a lot of back and forth over the last two years about how we value each position. So that's kind of how we've done it. Keith McLean asks, what's more likely at 32? Trade back Bryce Hall or Jeff Gladney, uh, Patrick Queen or Kenneth Murray? Well, uh, Bryce Hall's right out. Uh, that's too early for him coming off of his injury and everything like that. That's just too early. Uh, if Jeff Gladney is there, I think that only Patrick Queen would kind of oust him, but I just don't think Patrick Queen is going to be there. So I would say Gladney is the most likely and then probably trade back of those scenarios. I just... I. I love Kenneth Murray. I don't know if Kenneth Murray has the uh, the sort of smarts to play Spags linebacker, the sort of coverage ability to do the sorts of things at will that he needs to. I think he can be taught them. I just think that maybe that's a little high for Steve Spagnolo to feel comfortable drafting a linebacker that he is going to have to teach all those things to and work all that out. I still would. I still would. I know that people are kind of going, what? Craig's talking bad about Kenneth Murray. I would absolutely do it, but I'm not sure Spagnuolo would. I think the tricky part is with Patrick Queen, there's a lot of teams that signed a linebacker or multiple linebackers in free agency. So if you consider, you know, Isaiah Simmons, your first linebacker off the off the board, whether you want to play him at linebacker or not, then you kind of have this race for linebacker two between Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray. And I really think it's going to be team dependent. If there's a team out there that is looking for a more traditional Mike, a bigger, more physical guy that's going to play a little bit better between the tackles in terms of just having that size, I could see Kenneth Murray going first. If you want a team that's looking for the more better coverage player, Patrick Queen's going to go first. Like I can't rule out Patrick Queen being off the board. If he's on the board, I think it's him. I'm just with Craig. I think he's too good. I think he's the first true linebacker taken, which makes Jeff Gladney the most likely pick of this bunch at 32. But even like we said, I'm not 100% sure he's going to be there either. I think it's most likely of all these options that they trade back. I don't think Gladney's going to be on the board. I don't think Queen or Murray is going to be on the board either, even though there's been some holes filled for some other teams. I think the most likely, and like again, Bryce Hall, you might be surprised that Bryce Hall, that we like Bryce Hall is probably going to be in the top 30 or 40 for us in the KC draft guy, which is, which might surprise some people, but we also don't think he's going to go in the first round. And we also don't think, you know, he should because there is a lot of injury questions. He's going to get his grade, but it's not going to, we're going to have some caveats with, you know, injury that are very real. Tradeback's a very... I, I think tradeback is, especially if the Chiefs go into the draft with five draft picks, would not be stunned in the slightest if they trade back at all. Uh, it might be the first time in Brett Veach's history as a GM that they trade back. Techno Brad asks, do you guys see any realistic way that Mahomes gets paid this year? Cap room is obviously a real problem and there are still positions that need addressed in some way. Defensive back edge. Plus, there has to be room to sign drafted and drafts, draft picks and UDFAs. I, I've seen this a lot, actually. And my comment on it is always they can make room if they want to. They could have made more room with Frank Clark if they wanted to. They could cut LDT, they could move on from Sammy Watkins. There's lots of moves that can be made to help sign the draft class and the UDFA class. Honestly, it's not going to cost that much. 
two to three million dollars at the most. Maybe I, I I haven't looked at it specifically to see how much each pick is supposed to be valued right now, but you can't not pay Mahomes this year. It's going to happen this offseason, and it has to happen this offseason. Look at what's happening with the Cowboys and Dak Prescott right now. This is this is a situation where they lowball Dak a little bit. They decided, ah, we'll we'll kick the can down the road. We'll wait a little more. And now they're gonna end up paying Dak Prescott an insane amount of money, especially if Patrick Mahomes gets paid because then Dak is going to ask for more than Mahomes to try and reset the market a little bit. Give Patrick Mahomes what he's due right here and now. And then in three years, he won't be, you know, maybe even top five at the position paid in the league. And that is great value for the position. Just get it done now. You know you want him locked in long term. Just do it. I think you should pay him. Like, I think there's absolutely no question on mind that you pay him. I don't understand pushing it down the road to risk making him upset to get if Like Craig said, in this situation that Dallas is in, I understand you don't have to pay him, but you pay him everything he wants now. At the end of this deal, you maybe have to pay him everything he wants one more time, but you're kind of hoping that your good faith of paying him early and paying him essentially making him the highest paid player it returns like that good faith gets returned at some point in time when he's a little bit older. He's had these big paychecks in his pocket. If not, you still just paid the best player in the entire world. So who really cares if it gets returned or not? The one caveat I'm going to put on this, this year's weird. This coronavirus stuff is weird. If the chiefs are able to have a conversation with him and just say like, look, we want to pay you. We just have no idea how this year's playing out fiscally for anything. I could 100% see Patrick Mahomes, who's a relatively smart, logical, good person, maybe being okay waiting until next year to get his huge paycheck. I don't think I would, but like if that's a conversation they've had, I could buy that as a reason to not pay him right now. Yeah, and one thing you also got to take into consideration with all this too is his year one. We talked to Bearcat a little bit about this. Chief Bearcat on Twitter, he's fantastic. Uh, you know, salary cap kind of guy and we talked to him a lot about stuff like this it's not like Patrick Mahomes year one cap hit necessarily has to change like it's going to change but it's not going to be like all of a sudden he's got 40 million dollars on the cap like people people need to understand like his year one cap hit might be under 15 uh it might even be less than that there's there's some ways that they can do that so that's what you've got to take into consideration too it's not like they need to move 40 million dollars to make it work they can move less for year one our buddy Tom Childs, 56, over here in the UK, it's likely we will be in quarantine until June to make use of my time at home. Which body type should I aim for, Travis Kelsey or Xavier Williams? Tom, I've met you, you handsome devil you. You could not get to an Xavier Williams body type, but you should aim for Travis Kelsey first week of camp body type. <laughs> that should be everyone's goal coming out of quarantine. <laughs> oh, for, man. For those unaware, there is a noticeable, you know, little beer belly going on for the beginning of camp that works its way out by the time the season starts. That is the goal that everyone's looking at here at the end of quarantine. Yeah, and Travis actually came in even a little bit heavier than he normally <laughs> did does to this past training camp because he couldn't work out. You know, he was coming off an of injury, so... 
he still had the same off season that he typically did from an ingestion standpoint, but he didn't get to kind of exercise it off. So, yeah, aim aim for week one, Travis Kelsey. That's what I'm aiming for as well. Yo, the 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 Travis Kelsey off of a Super Bowl, off of a no off season, week one, Travis Kelsey. It could be Xavier Williams. <laughs> nah. We're, we're going to take a break. We'll be back with more questions after this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we're continuing on our questions. Vitamin J asks, what is a hypothetical aggressive trade-up in the first round that you would not be upset to see Brett Veach make? Compensation and pick. So with only five picks, this is really hard to make any kind of trade up with five picks. I mean, like, especially an aggressive trade up, like you're not talking about jumping one or two teams, but we just don't have a picks to go too far. So I think a realistic one would be jumping up with Seattle. So trading up from 32 to 27, you'd obviously have to send 32 back. I would also send Sammy Watkins and Kansas City's fourth. So I think that plays out almost even depending on what you want to call Sammy Watkins worth in this situation. He's kind of worth a fourth round pick as well. That gets you pretty in the ballpark of trading with Seattle there. And the reason I'm trading up with Seattle is I get ahead of Green Bay and I get ahead of Baltimore to take Patrick Queen as he's falling down the board. If Patrick Queen's not there, I'm essentially just switching with Seattle so they can't take a safety and getting ahead of uh, San Francisco. And that way I can take Grant Delpit. I have two (laughs) targets there at 27. I I actually like both of those out of Maddie there, but really the only one, because I'm the same way, they they need their capital. They need to be building, especially with the uncertainty of this offseason and what they have committed to the cap right now. They need to be building with some young depth here, but I would trade absolutely everything in this draft and a pick next year to go get Jeff Okuda if he somehow fell just lock that man up and get better at corner for the next decade. I don't really know if there is any scenario where I'm going to be super thrilled. That's realistic. That in any realistic, I don't think there's really one that I'm going to be particularly thrilled with. Like at least as you sit right now, they have five draft picks. They have five. And they if they need to move too many assets to try to make something happen, I don't know, man. Like it's it's gonna be really it's gonna be really difficult for me to 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 be okay with it, frankly. Uh, NYKC seventy seven thoughts on DJ Dallas if he's available as a late round pick. I am not a huge DJ Dallas fan. Uh, I mean, I think he's fine. 
Uh, nothing. There's not really a dominant. I don't think he has like a, a particularly dominant trait. I think he has a lot of work to do in pass protection. I have some visions, questions about him. Um, I do think he he's, he's a good power player. I don't know if I love him as a fit here in Kansas City. Um, I would like to see more about him as a as a pass catcher too. Uh, and I think there's other guys that make a little bit more sense. Uh, and if you're probably at, at this rate, you're taking him in the fifth round if you're taking him. And that's just not really that's not really where I value him right now. AAKC Cody asks, how do y'all feel about Devin Duvernay? I like Devin Duvernay, actually. I, I think that he I, we got to see him at Senior Bowl. I think he's good on the release. I think he's a very smart player. He finds holes in the zone really well. And he is an animal with a ball in his hands. I I really have enjoyed watching him through the process. I liked his tape a lot. I had to watch a lot of corners play against Devin Duvernay because, you know, Texas is Texas. They've got the big TV deal. So tape for Devin Duvernay is easily accessible. And I've got lots of clips saved to my hard drive of Devin Duvernay just clowning on some DBs, <laughs> some skip releases that he's high stepping off of the release. Just just toying with guys. He's really fun. I, I I like him. I don't know how well he fits into what the Chiefs want to do here, but I, I would be comfortable adding him late in the draft. If you want Albert Wilson 2.0, Devin Duvernay's your guy. And I think Ooh. he may be even less good vertically than Albert Wilson was. And I think we all remember Albert Wilson's struggles trying to track the ball vertically. The, the biggest downside for Devin Duvernay was to me is he was a pretty much a ghost at the senior bowl for some very bad corners. And like while everybody else is torching these corners off the line of scrimmage, beating them off the release, Devin Duvernay did not look particularly good doing so. I don't think he plays to his sub 4-4 speed, especially going vertically, like horizontally or with the ball in his hands, sure. Just getting downfield, spacing at his routes. I don't think he has a I don't think he has a very good feel on anything over 10 yards. So for those reasons, I just I am a little lower on him, I think, than Craig is for those things. But man, you get the ball in his hands, he is a tough guy to tackle for most defensive backs. Well, and he was a I think he played running back some for Texas when they needed him too. Like he is definitely tough. He does, yeah, he does. And he's he's tough. He didn't look out of place when he was playing running back. I do agree. I think Devin DuVernay is gonna play like he's gonna win inside ten yards. And that really is gonna be the game his game for his career, I think personally. From the slot. Uh, And from the slot. Yeah. Uh it may be out of the backfield. Who knows? We'll see what's up. Throw him back there. Give him some carries. YOLO. See, now you're 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 sounding like an Andrew Reed weapon all of a sudden. A little bit. You know? A little bit. Hey, you know, we've been talking about maybe the new running back is just some of these like receivers like Antonio Gibson and LaVisca, and maybe Duvernay fits in there too. Like maybe that's the new running back. Maybe How this- many players from the slot can you have on the field at one time when you have McCole, <laughs> Travis, Duvernay, Tyreek? Like, <laughs> okay, all- okay. Well, hold hold up here, Mister. I want only slot, scrappy slot CBs on my team. Like, you are more than comfortable with just lining up all five nine and under cornerbacks out no, there. No, the no, no, no. You have to have one guy that can defend in the red zone. Charvarius Ward. Okay, just one, <laughs> just one. <laughs> SoCal1186 asks, seems like the Chiefs have a lot of big contracts pending uh, a decision. Breland and free agency, Chris Jones, Sammy Watkins. Are they waiting for trades before being active on Breland? Or is there another reasonable plan? Um, Or Skorg at W also asked the same kind of similar. What is their plan is my question. Hopefully they did not get complacent. 
So this is something that we've talked about a lot. And up until these past couple of days, I've been pretty flaw- – and I'm not still confused by it, but I've been pretty flummoxed, borderline upset with the Chiefs' general lack of plan that I can discern. Like, obviously, they have one, but my inability to discern what they're doing has been very annoying. I feel like they have been complacent, just trying to, quote-unquote, run it back, not think about the future, not really improve the team. It's something that has you know, annoyed me. You're the Super Bowl champions, but you had a chance to get better, and they did it. But something that kind of hit me over this weekend and I've been workshopping in my head is what if the Chiefs' plans were thrown off? What if the Chiefs' plans, whether they whether this is true or not, this is just a theory, but what if the Chiefs had went in with the idea to trade Chris Jones? You get to the combine, you're keeping your cards close to the vest. You want to keep him. They say, I want to keep him, but we want to keep him for $18 million. He wants 21. You guys can't agree. You're still putting it out there that you want to keep him. All of a sudden, the coronavirus stuff takes over the entire planet. Now, teams don't feel comfortable with not being able to meet, do medical checks, not being able to get all the information to trade for Chris Jones. The Chiefs, looking at the landscape of the NFL, see what's going to happen with rookie Manny Camp. What's going to happen with OTAs? What's training camp going to look like? Nobody knows how this season's going to play out. What if they've transitioned from maybe we can work some trades with LDT, Sammy Watkins, Chris Jones? Now, let's just try to bring back our exact same team, keep the cohesion, literally play for a one-year, play for 2020. We're not even worried about 2021 because it's such a weird situation. We are just focused on this next year to win a Super Bowl when a lot of other teams aren't going to have that much time working together. We're going to have the same 45 out of 53 players that just won a Super Bowl with Demarcus Robinson. You're bringing back Anthony Sherman. You got Mike Rimmers placing to Wisniewski. That's a pretty much a trade in and out. You bring Mike Pinnell back. You keep Chris Jones on the franchise tag. You bring you already brought back Demarcus Robinson. You hope you get Bashad Breeland. They're just maybe they're going to return the exact same team, rely on their chemistry of a Super Bowl winning team. And this is just like I said, a little theory that I kicked around that maybe wasn't the plan entering free agency, but is the whole landscape of the NFL and the whole world changed? I just wonder if they're trying to adapt to it a little bit. And we've kind of seen a little bit of that, and we've heard a little bit of that of going forward here that teams are going to be more hesitant to go out and sign free agents. And we, I know I specifically have said there's no way that Chris Jones plays on the tag and that the Chiefs will have him play on the tag because, frankly, I thought that that money could have been better used elsewhere and that they would, you know, and that Chris Jones wouldn't want to play on a one year deal here. Now, here's the case. If all of a sudden Chris Jones' agent is out there talking to teams and there's just no movement because teams are just so reluctant to hand out these huge deals for players that they can't bring in house, that they can't do all this. And because the Chiefs slow played it a little bit, now all of a sudden maybe the return isn't as good. Now, all of a sudden, maybe Chris Jones sees, okay, I'm going to play on a tag. I'm going to show up for another year. I'm going to get my big payday next year. Now, the problem with that for the Chiefs is if you let Chris Jones walk, well, now you're just getting a third round compensatory pick. I think we all think that Chris Jones is worth significantly more than that. So we'll see how this goes. But Whereas before I was kind of staunchly under the both Chris and the Chiefs don't want him to play on the tag to now I'm a little bit more wait and see. And I think maybe, maybe he might. And yeah, that's definitely changed the whole landscape of everything of this offseason. It might be why there hasn't been a whole lot of movement. 
I don't think Chris Jones was going to make $21 million in the first place, APY. I don't think he was going to get the Buckner contract personally. Um, I think this is a really tough spot for Chris Jones, frankly. Like, from, from this perspective, like, I think... I don't know how much leverage he has in negotiations. I don't know how strong of a market is because of COVID, because of other things too, frankly, um, how strong his market is. Uh, Maybe it's not the 21 that he's wanting or the 22 or the more than Frank Clark that he's wanting. And maybe the Chiefs are not near the, you know, not near the Frank Clark deal anyway. The Chiefs have a lot of leverage here and it might might make sense for both sides to just have Chris Jones play on the tag. You're 100%. Right. Also, the other thing about all this thing is I don't think any of us, I don't think anybody thought Demarcus Robinson was going to be back uh, mm-hmm. a month and a half ago at all. Not and for that money. If you heard two weeks ago, it was Demarcus Robinson, his market's going to be like there was real free agent buzz about Demarcus Robinson. And now he's signing for the vet vet minimum benefit, basically. So like he's making like $2.3 million, counting $1 million basically against the Chiefs cap. That is drastic from where the buzz was a week and a half ago. Yeah. And the Robinson thing goes into the whole point. Like I just want to quickly circle back to Chris Jones. I think if Chris Jones was going to take like a 16, $18 million kind of contract, I think he would be with the chiefs. I think we've kind of all said that from the get go. Like if he wants to take that kind of money, the chiefs would and would have already signed him at this point in time. I think that his market has been a little lower than what he expected, whether just from the chiefs or from other teams, this, and this is just a thought, but I do wonder if the whole outlook of just how the NFL is working right now has slowed that down and the Chiefs are just going to try to keep him. They brought back Demarcus Robinson. Now, that does make Sammy Watkins a little bit more replaceable, I think. And Sammy Watkins is the name you have heard from you know some quote-unquote sources as being on the trade market. I do wonder if he's a guy they are actually trying to consider to move on from. And if I were to make a plan just to go all in on 2020, try to win a Super Bowl in 2020 because of this whole thing is going on, just keeping my team intact. The one move I would make, I would let Sammy Watkins go if I had to. I would use that savings plus, you know, maybe LDT or a little bit of moving around. I'd go sign Jadavion Clowney. One year, $13, $14 million for that single season. That's roughly what it seems like he's looking at. If you listen to Therese Paler, Charles Robinson, it sounds like there's a mystery team that is now back in on Jadavion Clowney because his price may be that low. It just, a lot of the things they said sounded like it could line up for the Chiefs. That's just a move I think would be very good for just 2020. And here's, here's another guy that you could keep an eye on if the Chiefs, because, yeah, with the the very words that Therese and Charles did, which go listen to it, but the very words they, they mentioned were a lot of teams are finding out that maybe Clowney's in the price range where it makes sense and that they could get the most out of him with two kind of force players. Well, the Chiefs do have two force players in Frank Clark and Chris Jones. Alex Okafor all of a sudden becomes a little more expendable if you have Jadavian Clowney on your roster. That can save a little bit of money, too. And that team, that group is nasty. That's a That's nasty, nasty group. And you, you've you got outstanding defense on both edges. Like, it, good luck. Good luck running to the outside. Good My luck. Goodness. Good luck. Phil of the Future asks, can we go ahead and assume nothing will happen with Chris Jones and Sammy Watkins until before the draft? I I don't think we can assume anything with the way the landscape of the NFL is right now. I think that there's a, a solid chance that 
a team may not make a move until the last possible moment just because it doesn't behoove them to go ahead and make a move knowing that Sammy Watkins or Chris Jones is not going to be in-house. You're not going to be getting them on the same page as everybody because operations are shut down. So from that regard, yeah, I think we may see a lot more week of the draft sort of trade similar to the Frank Clark one that we saw before, although I think that was probably agreed upon well before that, but we just got it announced then. Maybe I think Chris or Sammy moves would happen a week before the draft, yes. Yeah, and I think we kind of answered a little bit of what might be happening, you know, some things that could happen with Chris Jones or Sammy Watkins, but I would agree that it's probably, if something does happen, it doesn't happen until the week of the draft because there's no incentive to. The only way a move happens before then is if the Chiefs are desperately trying to dump salary so they can make another move in free agency, and there's very few guys that they would need to do. Like, if they wanted to sign Jadavion Clowney before someone else, they might just outright cut Sammy Watkins. They might trade him for next to nothing for anyone that'll take him. But unless there's going to be a significant corresponding move to follow almost immediately, I don't think you're going to see any news from any big Chiefs cuts or signings until right about draft time. Yeah, and like on the Chris Jones contract side, I don't know. I I think the contract, if they get a contract done with Chris Jones, if they get a long-term extension, it's going to be after the draft. Uh, if he's going to play on the tag, I think it's going to be after the draft. The only way I see something happening with Chris Jones before the draft is if it's a trade. Because I just, I feel like, especially with everything going on, it's going to be really difficult for, like, I just, like, it just seems very obvious that the Chiefs and and, and, and Chris Jones' team are very far apart. Because every single thing and every indication has been that. I just, it doesn't, there's never figures thrown around on the chief side really about like what they're willing to pay or or where they want. Like, I find that very interesting. I find that very interesting that we don't see figures really exchanged. We know Chris Jones wants more than Frank Clark, but we know the chiefs aren't willing to go there per reports. They they were looking at Grady Jarrett money. Brandon 422 asked percent chance. We trade Sammy Watkins to Bill O'Brien for the second he got for nuke. Like I think it's like a non-zero chance, <laughs> but actually, like I would like Bill O'Brien has three second round picks now. I think wouldn't stun me if he traded one of them, like to, for for Sammy Watkins. I actually I wouldn't be stunned if if Bill O'Brien traded for for Sammy Watkins in some capacity. The the pick forty not very high. If he played running back, absolutely. But since he's a receiver, <laughs> probably not. Hey, Sammy can take handoffs out of the backfield. Hey, listen, Bill, if you're listening, Sammy could running back. You definitely want to come get him. He's got contact balance, baby. Paul, uh, Paul Wolf for 42. And I wanted Matt to answer this question because we've talked about this a few times. Shouldn't they cut Dustin Colquitt to save the money? They don't hardly need a punter. Yes, they should cut Dustin Colquitt or politely convince him to retire so that way it's not as weird because they don't really use a punter. Colquitt is definitely less consistent anymore. His leg doesn't have the same boom. You can see that he struggles to put his entire leg into it and get those kind of corner punts down in between the 10 as frequently. I think it's time to move on. He's been great, but it's just time. Don't need to pay a punter that much money. He's $2 million against the cap. Come on. Uh, Maui OI asks, Aloha, Nerd Squad. Please each give an off-season grade to our own Brett Veach for his work so far. 
Uh, and uh, oh, mahalo for all you guys do uh, keep safe during these strange times. Hey, you too. Everybody stay safe. We're all in this together. We're going to keep doing what we do. What do you think, Craig? Um, I, I was going to say incomplete, but I think I'll say C minus. I just uh, there's been no moves. It's it's hard to it's hard to really argue with what he's done because there's been zero moves. Um, uh, he's kept guys like if they really are just going to run it back, and I if you disagree with that, I understand it. But if they really are the plan was to run it back. Well, then it's it's a good grade because they're doing that. They're keeping the talent that they really needed on this roster so far, but. I'm going to give it a low C just because there's just not been a whole lot of things. Uh, GM gets the lowest grade. It's Bill O'Brien, guys. It's He's awful. He's the worst. And Steve Kime gets the highest grade because he was on the other end of the worst move in recent NFL history. I think, yeah, it's got to be incomplete. If not, um, I grade everything based on like food. So we're going to go ahead and call this oh, no. milk toast. Because oh. <laughs> nothing has. I thought happened. you were gonna call it. I thought you were gonna call it Chipotle white rice. It, no, that has flavor. This is this is homemade white rice <laughs> with no cilantro. It's just the most. It's been the most bland off season, and there's still time to make moves. But like we said, like I just said, there's a path in my mind that I can see that they're just trying to run it back and be the clear cut favorites, both on paper, but in terms of team chemistry and play on the field to win a second Super Bowl back to back years in 2020, because it is going to be a shortened off season. Things are going to be very weird and the team dynamic. So like I can see the path there. So that's why I don't want to say it's a bad grade, but it's hard to give them a ton of credit for essentially doing nothing. I I this I don't want this to be a cop out, but I I I have to give it an incomplete, and I hate doing it. And I think I have some frustration with the fact that I have to give it an incomplete. Honestly, I don't. I and obviously some of it's just just probably for our own gratification out here. We want to see and have an idea of the plan. I think everybody wants to understand what's going on. Obviously, but like there is like no like I I, I have no pulse on it at all. I, I literally have no pulse on it. And because of that, I have to give it an incomplete. And there's some frustration, confusion, and just anxiousness behind that. That new kid, uh, that new new kid asks, who do you think we'll, we will face in this year's Super Bowl? Love it. Which NFC team shall I place my bets on? I kind of think, I like what the Saints have done. I think it's the Saints' turn. Uh I you know I think you know they've they've found ways to to add some depth to that football team especially in the defensive side. Drew Brees is back for maybe one more time. They got Andres Pete back. I, I feel good about the Saints. I think this is the Saints' year. And Taysom Hill. I mean they got Taysom Hill too. So like come on. The Tampa Bay Tom Brady Buccaneers. I will what? be the one to do it. I am a Tom Brady fan. Always have been. Now that he's not in New England, I don't have to hide it. The Chiefs march down to Tampa, wipe the field in Tampa with Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Because actually, I, here's the thing. I think Tampa actually has a pretty good roster. I think Jameis was good enough to make them competitive, but held them back in key moments. I think those receivers down there with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, like that's a lot. They have some guys that can rush the passer from different sides of the ball. They have a young secondary. I think Tampa's going to be an actual real contender and not just media hype. 
Okay, I'm, I would have said the Saints, but I'm going to go out on a limb here. We know they're going to waste their first-round pick, just like they have the previous two years. Wow. But this is the time of the black quarterback. Russell Wilson is going to have an awesome year next year. And I think... It's his turn. He's just going to... I think it's his turn. He's going to put the team on his back. I think Seattle is going to be good despite the best efforts of the people building that roster to put talent on it. And I calling the plays. And, yo, oh my goodness. Yo, get but, Schottenheimer. You get Marty's kid away from Russell. Like, please, poor Russell. Please. I just think, I, I don't know. I, I'm going to go out on a limb. Super deep dark horse. Seattle's in the Super Bowl. I like it. Uh, Chief Priest 25 asks, by the schedule being messed up by these hard times, are the Chiefs a better prepared team this year than other teams? Yes. It's for all the things. Like the hashtag run it back. That's running around a little bit. I keep seeing. I mean, they have continuity. They do. They have more continuity than any team and they have that hashtag championship swagger. There is some validity to all that. I still would like to see them improve because they won despite several things. But... They still have Patrick LeVon Mahomes, and that's all that matters. The Captain KC, where do you guys have Jack Driscoll pl- uh, ranked? Does he have four-position versatility? Does he Is he fit in KC? I'm not sure. I mean, like, there's not a big difference in terms of the importance of right tackle and left tackle anymore, but I don't know if I've seen Jack Driscoll play on the left side. He's pretty much only been a right tackle, so it's kind of hard for me to project him out to say that he can play left tackle, left guard. You just never know how some guys are going to react to that, but he definitely can play inside and outside. As far as where we have him ranked, I believe we have a fourth round grade, a very early, no, third round grade on him. He's an excellent mover, so he's got a good high third round grade. I think we probably expect him to go in that range because of the movement, but he's a little bit older of a prospect. I wouldn't be surprised if he slides towards the end of day two just because he's a little older. He doesn't have a ton of functional strength, but he's such a smooth mover that I think he's a guy that some team is going to draft. They're probably going to push him inside to guard. He's going to play in a zone scheme. All of this stuff sounds like things the Chiefs usually go after. So I do think that he fits kind of the mold that they've had in the past. I'm just not 100% sure the Chiefs are all in on these elite athletes all over the offensive line anymore. Yeah, and I'll get to that in a second. I just will say, it UMass, he did play a little bit of left guard just very early on in his career. So uh, most of the most of what he's done at a high level is definitely right tackle, though much more comfortable on the right side. But like Maddie said, there we are starting to move towards a a less athletic, now still very good athletes at offensive line, but a little less athletic sort of group here. We haven't seen Andy Reid or Brett Veach make a big swing on an athletic offensive lineman in a little while now. So I think we're kind of having to sort of recalibrate our angles a little bit to find out exactly what Andy Reid's looking for. Again, he loves movement. You you can't have feet that are stuck in the mud. But I think it's one of those situations where he doesn't have to have a guy that is, you know, just this elite athlete with no power. I think he wants a little more balance than we've seen in the past. Well, they also haven't really made a big swing at, along the interior offensive line just in general either, though. At, at, I mean, at, along their offensive line, they really haven't made any big moves. Like, what's their big move? Trading for Cam Irving? A fifth round for Cam Irving? Like, that might be his biggest investment to this point along the interior offense live or just the top offensive line in general. 
I did notice like Damian Wilson, Damian uh, Lewis from LSU. I really like him as a player. He's apparently got a, a visit set up with the Chiefs. I kind of find that interesting because I have him as a medium fit in the Casey draft guide right now. And I think he has just enough movement skills. I don't think he's a guy that moves out staying. And so it's kind of one of those things where we're kind of having to try to recalibrate some of our lines of thinking with what they value at offensive line. D Johnston 29 asks defensive end is the third highest need. Uh, O line has numbers and they just re-signed D Rob could change depending on Sammy. I I think that third highest, second highest might be up there just because Steve Spagnolo loves defensive ends. That's how he operates is adding to the defensive line. He puts a big priority on the guys up front. So I think it's a sneaky higher need than we're all talking about, especially since Ogba signed somewhere else. All right. Chiefs updater asks if the Chiefs re-sign Bashad Breeland, will they still draft a corner in the first or second round? I think so. I still think, you know, they need an angelic injection of talent. And one of the things that I, I keep saying it, I don't think people like I think people are very short short sighted about just 2020. They ha- this is a long-term build. They're trying to build a dynasty. You build a dynasty for 2020, 2021 and beyond. And some of the moves that they could potentially make this offseason might look be fine and manageable in 2020, but they may not be manageable in 2021. Some of the big contracts they're thinking about putting on the books, for instance. They've got to think about all these things. They have to continue to push and invest in talent at corner. They need an injection of talent because if Breland signs a one-year deal, guess what? They're in the same spot that they were last year. And Charvarius Ward's one year closer to having to get paid. Yeah. I You can't continue to go on with journeymen, UDFAs, and late, late, late round draft picks at cornerback. It's too important of a position. You have to invest it at some point. Even if they do resign Bashad Breeland, I think it will be on a one-year deal, like Kent said. You have to add talent. And you can't get guys that you can you know, really be linchpins for a team. It just doesn't happen very often later in the draft, particularly at cornerback when the athletes are off the board. Excuse my colleagues. They, for some reason, seem to think that Brett Veach thinks cornerback is a position on the field, and it's clearly not in his mind. So uh, now here's the tricky part for me. If you extended this to the first three rounds, I would say yes, for sure. The first two rounds, though, I think the Chiefs are in an awkward, not an awkward, but a good spot to where at 32, they can take the best player available no matter what position that is. Like, whoever they want the most, they can take. And then that means they have one more pick left in the second round to fill and that need an improvement at interior offensive line, that need improvement at will linebacker, and need improvement at cornerback. You might not only have the shot at a cornerback there, and so I could see you having to wait until the end of day two to get your cornerback to put on the field behind Bashad Breeland, just because there are so many pressing needs because no holes got filled in free agency. All right, last one. Drewski Ed asks: Of the players likely to be available at thirty-two, who is the biggest gamble? And gamble meaning highest upside, most risk. Speaking of best player available, this is a good question. 
I have a guy, and I have been coming around on this more and more than I think about it. Grant Delpit, safety out of LSU. Not only is he a gamble for his own performance, he's an elite playmaker. He's made a ton of plays on the ball. He's kind of a rangy, free safety that also has man coverage ability, can kick down a slot, is very good playing kind of as an apex defender in shallow hook zones. He just had a terrible 2019 in terms of tackling some angles he took. It looked like there was business decisions on top of playing through some injuries that really affected his tackling. He was just awful at it. But if you get 2018 Grant Delpit, you insert him into this defense instead of Sorensen or Kendall Fuller. So you're still getting 70% of the snaps between the two of them. Good luck throwing anywhere over the middle of the field or try to diagnose what the Chiefs are doing with Delpit, Matthew, and Thornhill all over the field. Good. I'm glad Matty didn't take mine. Mine is Jeremy Chin. Oh my goodness. Let's put an athlete on the field. A guy that can kick in, kick down in the box. He's got slot versatility. He can run just this giant man that can play all over the field in these situations. I know we've talked a lot about Isaiah Simmons and the versatility and everything like that. Jeremy Chin has a lot of that same versatility. And I think that Jeremy Chin's a very smart player. I just, uh, he's just a freak athlete as well. He's going to be available at 32. We're hearing a lot of top 40 love for him, actually, over the past couple days. He might not be as big of a reach as people think he is in that situation. I think he could be a piece similar to Grant Delpit, although Grant Delpit, much better safety. I think Jeremy Chen could be a fun addition to the DB room. So I, I don't even know if I, I think this is like I, I would kind of I'd be very surprised if the Chiefs took this guy. But we see him mocked a lot. Uh, and he, we've seen him mocked to the Chiefs, too. Uh, Noah Igbenogany from uh, Auburn, uh, the cornerback. He's only been a cornerback for like a couple months, I think. Is that right? Like it's just this year, I believe that he was a cornerback. And he's mm-hmm. a guy that really doesn't have a ton of reps there, um, but has really good feet. And he's a physical player who's physical line of scrimmage he's a willing tackler and he's grown as he's developed into the position so he's i think he's gotten better and better as you watch him the big question is though i mean he's not played the position very long and there's a lot of projection lots of projection i think the traits are very obviously there and the football character more importantly is there you can tell by the way he plays the game that's a massive swing, and I'm a guy that likes him. I Especially think it's a in a shortened swing. off season, exactly. Like, that's a massive one. Exactly. That's a to very a aggressive swing. Team. What'd you say, yeah. Maddie? To, to, a, a, to a zone heavy team. Yeah, it's it it would it's a massive swing. Like yeah, you're right. Him in zone is he? I don't think his zone awareness like he just doesn't have it yet. So. Uh, All right, that is going to do it for today's episode. We'll be back on Wednesday with another AP Lab. We'll be back on Friday with the AP Draft Show. We'll catch you later.